0: My dear friend, welcome to the book of Revelation chapter 14 and uh, this time part 3. The beast is defeated and God's triumphant victory. Now this is God's word in time, on time, for this time. And uh, it's great to be back and to be with you. Thank you very much for um listening and um, following this study of the Word of God. And as you can see, we are already in chapter 14. Very exciting, great to read. We need to get into the Word. We need to stay true to God's Word. And of course, it's exciting times, scary times, but exciting because... uh, Whatever happened in this world, we know one thing and that is God is in control and so welcome to this podcast. Let me just go back for a moment to the proclamation of the everlasting gospel. That's verses 6 and 7. We have been through this already, but I just thought maybe uh, I need to come back and take us back there and just have a look again at those verses. Like I said, this gospel is proclaimed during the tribulation, or at least that's what scripture tells us it proclaims mercy in the midst of judgment now the one thing that we need to understand is this this is the tribulation period right this is the time of the antichrist so uh, there is as we have read there is a gospel being preached at that time and it's a it's a a gospel of mercy in the midst of judgment. So with the judgment there is also mercy. It's a gospel that's calling all to abandon the worship of the beast and to have reverence for God. You can also look at uh, Proverbs uh, 1 verse 7. as we have said last time, it's a, it's a time when people will be worshiping the beast, and um, and really uh, have no reverence for God. The beast is ruler of a world system consisting of one world government, one world health system, one world economic system, one world education system, one world um, culture, and a culture system and one world religion. Yes, you've heard right, one world religion. He is Antichrist, meaning instead of Jesus as Saviour, he is the Saviour, he is the Messiah, he is God and, and that's how he will pro- pro- uh, portray himself. Um, Now, we also hear of Babylon and uh, we're going to, going into the next chapter, we're going to hear more about Babylon. But Babylon is a symbol of this satanic world system and it's the center of all evil and all falsehood. Um, An ultra-crime lawless syndicate, Satan incarnated and ruling and being worshipped on earth. A system of idolatry and oppression. That that is Babylon, but also um, wealth, yes, uh, because... Antichrist will actually uh, solve, or that's how it will uh, seem to be, he will actually solve the problems of the world, including the issue of wealth, of money. Um, But Babylon is really an empire of the apes and order an order of unregenerated mankind organized according to Satan's evil principles and Satan's self as the head and um, just correspond that with 1st John chapter 2 15 to 17 where the same John that wrote uh, Revelation also um, tells us uh, that we should not love the world or the things that is in the world and whatever else he is saying there. So my dear friend we know Babylon is mentioned 280 times in the Bible and that this Babylon will fall utterly the Babylon of old was founded by King Nimrod and rejected the one true God. You can read in Genesis chapter 10, 9 to 10. A city with breathtaking brick buildings, smartly paved streets, all impressive with its statues, statues of lions, and dragons that my friend is the old Babylon right? no matter how developed Babylon was, it worshiped false gods and uh, you can go to Jeremiah chapter uh, Jeremiah 50 chapter 50 verse 2. Babylon was the largest city in the world at that time, with approximately two hundred thousand people. And it, as I said, it was. Um, it was the largest city in the world. But it is also known for sexual immorality monogamous marriage with many concubines and cult temple prostitutes. Ironically, Babylon means gate of God. But it was really, my friend, a city of, a city, Babylon, Babylonia, the kingdom, a kingdom and a city of witches witchcraft sorcery and everything that you can think of that is demonic that is babylon and i thought i've i thought let me Put this in for you here because when we go to chapter fifteen and onwards, um, in chapter fourteen we hear right Babylon um, has fallen. Fifteen. When we get there, we can continue and uh, looking at Babylon, and I will then also deal with. Uh, I will deal with some other. Issues concerning uh, Babylon. Okay. Having said that, let's continue. Let's go to uh, chapter 14 and um, verses 17 to 20. Um, uh, That is um, part of what we have uh, done. Uh, because we have done already some of uh, some of the the verses in this chapter, uh, but let me read this to you. And then another angel came out of the temple, which is in heaven. He also having a sharp sickle. And another angel came out from the altar. And I want you to take note: the temple, the altar who had power over fire. And he cried with a loud cry to him who had the sharp sickle saying, thrust in your sharp sickle and gather the clusters of the vine of the earth for her grapes are fully wrapped. So the angel thrust his sickle into the earth and gathered the vine of the earth and threw it into the great winepress of the wrath of God. And the winepress was trampled outside the city and blood came out of the winepress up to the horses' bridles, for 1,100 furlongs. Yes, um, it is an amazing scripture that we that we've just read. Now, John saw another angel came out from the altar and he had power over fire. Um, One of the scholars said this, he said, these allusions seem to indicate that the angel is acting in response to the prayers of the saints for divine judgment on wickedness. You still remember the prayers of the saints in previous uh, chapters that we read about and John asked and uh, about a, a, a group of people and, and he was told those are the saints, right? Um, and now we are confronted here with also the great wine press of the wrath of God. And us, we've spoken a little bit about the wrath of God and uh, the cup of his indignation. Now this vivid picture of judgment was the inspiration for the battle hymn of the Republic. You uh, you might know this uh, hymn. It goes like this. Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. He is trampling out the vineyard where the grapes of wrath are stored. He had loosed the fateful lightning of his terrible sword. His truth is marching on. And so you can see, in uh, in the stanza of this hymn, you can see uh, what John saw in in and write wrote about in in, the, in Revelation. Uh, the hymn writer put into his hymn, and he had he ha- he has, is uh, um, made sure that he makes use of the. the The line that talks about the trampling out the vineyard where the grapes of wrath are stored. Now these two angels, and we spoke about that, we said that um, he who sat on the cloud with a golden crown must be Jesus. It cannot be someone else. It must be Jesus because some argued and said well how can angels tell Jesus what to do but this is definitely Jesus we're not going to argue about that And the angel said to Jesus thrust in your sharp sickle and gather the clusters of the vine of the earth for her grapes are fully ripe okay in Matthew 1324 to 30 and 1336 to 43. Um, uh, there we see the second coming of Jesus as a harvest, right? Uh, With the parable of the wheat and the tares. Uh, So we see here that, that true believers will not be separated Uh, i'm referring to matthew will not be separated from those who merely go to um, that really go to church or just have a uh, nominal relationship with jesus christ until the final harvest so um, you remember how the The laborers said to the master, look, let us go and let us pull out the tares. And they were stopped and said, no, don't do that, leave them until the harvest. And um, when the harvest comes, then they will be separated. I think uh, if I may just pause here for a moment, it is so important, my dear friend, that you and me that we make sure that our relationship with Jesus is not based on going to church or belonging to a church. That our relationship with Jesus is not based on how we follow a pastor or a leader or a reverend or whoever he is, the priest. But really our relationship with Jesus must be based on the Word of God, it must be based on that relationship, that relationship of I as a sinner being forgiven and washed in the blood of the Lamb, forgiven of my sins and um, sure I'm sealed uh, for the resurrection and I'm sealed with the Holy Spirit. And, and my relationship on a daily basis is a living one with a living uh, Saviour and Redeemer. And, and too many people base their relationship with Jesus Christ on church attendance or belonging to a church or being affiliated to a church or, or having leaders, pastors, priests or whatever they are called. This is not the time for that. It's not about the church. Jesus is coming and we must be ready. And and the only the only readiness that we can have is uh, if we as the bride of Christ are clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ, clothed in his righteousness and clothed with His righteousness. right? We cannot come before God with our own righteousness. We cannot buy righteousness, we cannot work for it, and there are too many people in churches that are working for their uh, righteousness. No, God is a merciful God and a loving God and He, when we come to to Him and we confess our sins and we surrender to Him. He clothes us in His righteousness. Yeah, the Word of God says if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and with our hearts believe or in our hearts believe that God has raised Him from the dead, we will be saved. And I'm asking you, my friend, are you making sure that you are saved? Right? We are saved, we is saved, and we will be saved. This is not, you know, our relationship with Jesus Christ is not a hundred meter sprint. It is really a marathon. And so we go, you and me, we go all the way until the day, if we're still in this life, that we will meet Jesus, see Jesus coming on the cloud and meet him in the air to be with him forever. And... um, if uh, Jesus comes when we are already departed, then of course there's the glorious resurrection of our bodies from the from the grave. And uh, let this be a fairy tale to those that perish, but to you and me who are saved, we know this is truth. We see that, um, the grapes are fully ripe. Now let me uh, again um, just go to our our uh, our friend who is the um, theologian, and he says, "Peaches, uh, fully ripe peaches, grapes fully grown in the prime, almost bursting with juice." You know that that where the grapes come to a point where. It's, it's, it's reached its um, full capacity, yes. The spurting of the grape juice from under the bare feet of those treading the grapes in the wine press is compared to the spurting of blood and speaks of the awful human carnage, God's judgment on sinful man. Can you just get that picture of Sodom and Gomorrah After the angel came and took Lot and his family out, can you imagine when the fire uh, 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 fell from the sky? The kind of carnage that took place. Another theologian says, What strength have grapes against the weight? and power of a man when he comes to set his feet upon them and the riper they are the more helpless the heel of omnipotence is upon them and they can only break and sink beneath it yes my friend um, it's like Jesus crushing you know the head of the serpent yes so this is wrath this is the cup of his indignation but let's continue blood came out of the wine press up to the horses bridles for one thousand six hundred furlongs um most probably um This describes the blood spattering up to the horse's bridles. Tremendous carnage. And it can only mean, in in line with Revelation, it can only refer to Armageddon. The Battle of Armageddon. And this is described in Revelation 16, 16 and 19, 11 to 19. So we are still on our way there. We will get there and then Of course, I will say more about that. It is not likely a description of a river of blood running the length of the promised land and as high as a horse's bridle is, it's it's not this. This would be an almost incomprehensible river of blood. So the only thing that we can think of is the battle of Armageddon. And uh, through the years, many have said a lot about and wrote a lot about the Battle of Armageddon. Okay. In um, ancient times, um, a, a battle area that was around 1,600 furlongs was approximately 200 miles. Uh, and that was beyond all known conflict. In other words, that 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 didn't happen, right? Uh, your your battles always took in a very um, smaller area. But this actually points to our modern warfare, right? With all the 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 armor that we have and with all the weapons that we have and the deadly weapons that we have, um, 200 miles is nothing, it can, nowadays, um, um, you know, projectiles can, uh, missiles can travel thousands of miles. Um, And uh, so, but uh, that, those, those 1,600 furlongs, um, the 200 miles that I spoke about, uh, it's, it speaks about a radius, the area within a 200 mile radius from Jerusalem will be gathered at the time of the second coming of Christ. Right? So really, if, if you think the battle of Armageddon nations coming against Israel, right? And you can just in in your mind get the picture of just how big that battlefield is because it's not one nation coming against Israel. It's nations coming against Israel. Okay. Okay. this, my friend, this powerful, this vivid, powerful description shows how complete the judgment of God is. Complete judgment. Now, we're coming to the end of chapter 14. It's the perfect answer to chapter Revelation, chapter 13. Um, because at the end of Revelation 13, you get the feeling that Antichrist, Satan, might win. And this this is what I love about Revelation, is that we get to the point where we see who's the winner, right? But Revelation 14 shows who is really triumphant powerful and in control and who is that that is God his Messiah and his people yes you and me right those are the entities who are triumphant the beast is defeated and God is in control. His messiah, his messiah is in control and his people reign with him. Not satan. Not satan's messiah, the antichrist. Neither the followers of satan of the antichrist. Well, what a um, point to reach in the study of Revelation 14. And, and I want to leave that message with you. The beast is defeated and who's the victor? Jesus Christ, our Lord. He is the victor. We know the end. We know how things are going to end. We know who's going to, who's going to take the price. Jesus Christ. And so I want to encourage you today. And I want to say to you, don't lose heart. Don't. Don't look at the world and think from what you see that Satan is going to be the winner because he's not. He is the loser. And uh, arm yourself with that. That is the great uh, greatness of studying Revelation, because uh, it, it makes things clear to us and, and help, help us to focus and to know what the end will be like and who will be victorious. My friend, till next time. God bless. And. Uh, the angels said to the disciples when Jesus was taken up into heaven, um, the angel said, you know what, as, he, as you see him going, in the same manner, he will come back again. Do you believe that? I believe that. And I give praise and glory to God, our Father. So till next time, God bless.